Wow! Everyone and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by top London radio DJ and certified Japanophile, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing? I'm good, Chris. It's a bit of a switcheroo. Usually, I'm recording in the morning, and you're recording in the evening. Uh, it's currently midnight <laughs> where I am, and it's nine o'clock in the morning where you are. This is the earliest you've ever done a podcast, Chris. It's wonderful. I I'm never- excited. I never do anything. I never do anything in the morning, Pete, because my voice is weird. Listen to my voice, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. It sounds... You know, you have that morning voice where your voice just sounds broken. Oh, yeah. I think it sounds kind of baritone. I sound like I could do a movie trailer voice. (laughs) Coming soon. I'm just a man in a hotel room (laughs) alone. I don't know how you do it. How do you do things in the morning, Pete? How do you do these podcasts normally? Well, you do these, you, you do them like, re- they're actually quite difficult to do because you haven't spoken to anybody yet um, and you're not up to speed. And whenever I've done sort of like a voiceover at like, even like at 11 o'clock, I wake up at 10 o'clock usually because I, I work quite late. Um, I wake up at, at 10, go in for 11 and I can't speak, I can't read, I'm tired. <laughs> it's, it's, it's It's not easy. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to do my best. I've got my little canned Georgia coffee. Um, it's horrible. It tastes <laughs> like just refined sugar mixed with sick. It's not pleasant, but it should take me through for the remainder of the podcast. So today, mm. guys, we're going to give you an update on what we've been doing. Um, the cycle that I'm on is pretty much over now. Uh, I'm going to be heading back to my home in Sendai soon, and the podcast will resume as normal. So today, I thought I'd just talk about what we've done and what's been going mm. on. Uh, Biggest biggest news is I finally decided, Pete, to get a tattoo. Oh, I want to wow. be cool like you. This is pretty momentous, isn't it? I mean, bearing in mind, my tattoos are Cat in the Hat and a Ghost Pirate LeChuck on the leg. Um, I don't have any cool tattoos. But I did apply some. Remember I was in, um, for Halloween, I did uh, Goro Majima from the um, Yakuza series. I uh, printed out and applied some fake tattoos. Um, I was asked to put my jacket back on by a couple of bouncers uh, because they don't like no arm tattoos. Um, and then I, I showed them that it, they were all fake, so he was, he was fine with it. It so, seems so strange, the difference between fake I've- and real. <laughs> I've been meaning to ask you what you did for Halloween. So after Pete and I went our separate ways on the uh, on the trip, ladies and gentlemen, mm. Pete went to Tokyo, he went to Halloween, and I just received this stream of photos throughout the week of Pete in various weird situations. Uh, there's one of you, like, topless with these tattoos all down your arm. <laughs> uh, presumably that's the, those are the tattoos that got you thrown out of a club. That is, yeah. Or rejected <laughs> for entering the club. What did you do? What were your adventures in Tokyo like? Um, it was good, man. I mean, I kind of... Um... Well, every time I go to Japan, I sort of get a bit itchy feet and I always find myself sort of going, well, I need to go here and I need to go here and I need to go here. Um, but in reality, like, it's actually quite nice to sort of spend seven days in one place because otherwise you just find yourself sort of... I, I'm, I'm a little bit like you. I'm not, a, I'm not an amazing morning person. Having to sort of get up in the morning and, and move out your Airbnb or move out of your um, hotel and, and go walkies and get on a train or whatever, just a bit mm. of a pain in the bum, really. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was quite nice to just kind of relax a little bit. I went to, I went to um, briefly popped into um, Kanazawa. That was fun. Never been to Kanazawa. You went to Kanazawa? Before. Yeah, I went to, popped into Kanazawa. 
Um, cause Are you sure you're not getting before. it mixed up with Kanagawa? Because everyone always does. Oh, no. Which one's Hanagawa? <laughs> Kanagawa is oh the one around the back of Japan, right? The very kind of decadent, like, nice-looking city that's kind of... People call it a bit like Kyoto. Um, but you know, presumably you went over the Japanese Alps then, around the back of Japan. Yes, yeah, yeah, went, yeah, yeah, went sort of north. Yeah, went north and then oh, and then, and then west. Wow. Yeah, just popped. Um, it doesn't take too long though. It's only like what was it four hours on the on, on the train? There's like a there's like a ninja um, town where the ninjas used to live and the little houses and stuff. You sort of wander around and um, yeah, it was weird. And actually, I passed through there mm. before I, the the about three or four days before I met you right, mm. in Kyoto. We passed through there on the cycle. I made a video called Japan's. One of Japan's greatest markets or something. Right. I got there. I've been wanting to go to Kanazawa all my life, which is six years in Japan. <laughs> and uh, I got there, and it was raining, the worst rain ever seen by mankind. Like, I, you went outside with an umbrella, and the umbrella just got shredded by the rain. Such was the power and fury of the raindrops. They cut through the bloody umbrella like cutting through a cake. And it was scary, so I couldn't go outside. All I could do is the market. And I was really gutted, because... The old streets, the ninja village, as you call it, mm. it looks amazing, <laughs> and I couldn't see it. All this time waiting, I finally got there, only for the weather to screw me, so I've got to go back here again. Well, I, I, I signed my, up for a little... my list of things to go back to. Well, is it, that's the thing about Japan, there's always somewhere else that you sort of haven't been and you sort of explore. I think the, um, I got myself a little bike, I, could, I didn't get enough biking in on our little journey, clearly, <laughs> so I rented out one of those little clearly. kind of um, public public um, bike initiatives that's the thing about Japan you don't see them as even though like there's bike lanes everywhere and, and people cycle all over the place and it's a great place to cycle there's not that many mm. kind of Boris bikes as we call in, in London there's no kind of like there's not as many kind of um, public biking initiatives because I guess people who live here already have bikes so the, the commuters don't I love the way you call it the, public biking initiative public biking whereas initiative. I just call it rent-a-bike yeah rental bikes or, or like you can public go to a shop and rent them. you can go to a shop and rent them but that would involve me talking to someone um and that wouldn't be it that wouldn't be a good thing but um what actually happens is like it'd be nice to sort of have one of those things where you just put your credit card into a machine and it just takes it and you rent it for a couple of hours and then pop it back and in the same place or, or a different um a bike stand like we do in london or pretty much every city in the world i think china mm. tried i think a lot of chinese cities tried it um but they ended up either getting stolen or just thrown in the river <laughs> which i quite liked this yeah i saw a photo in china of a pile of like ten thousand bikes <laughs> people are just stolen or unused in a big pile <laughs> yeah if don't get your hopes up about using your credit card for a boris bike you can't even use your credit card in japan to pay for petrol or <laughs> oh really it's ridiculous yeah <laughs> i've there been points of this trip we've, we've had to use the car to go to some places and we stopped for some petrol, pulled out a Visa debit card or Visa credit card yeah. and the staff just sort of say, Nanukode, what's this? And it's like, this is a credit card. And they're like, no, 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 cash only. What are you on about? You're, spe- you're spending like $60 on fuel for your car and you can't use a credit card. What is that? That is pretty what, crazy, what, why? isn't it? I mean, make it, any bloody sense. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it just seems weird. You, you, as, a, as a garage, you probably wouldn't want that much money on the premises, but... God, imagine an armed robber. Like, it must be a dream. Every single shop is just absolutely <laughs> saturated with cash. <laughs> well, when, the, when there was the, um, the tsunami, the Tohoku disaster back yeah. in 2011, um, lots of houses were swept away, of course, and there was a big problem because a lot of elderly people that live in that region had stored all their cash yeah. under their beds, right? So the houses got washed away. Everything got washed away, including their money. Mm. Um, so it caused a lot of damage economically to the area. A lot of people lost a lot of money. So cash is good on the surface, but uh, 
Yeah, if something happens to your house, which is your effectively your bank if you're putting all your money under a bed, then, yeah. uh, yes, it's not such a happy ending after all. Yeah, I imagine um, that sort of wiped off a lot of, um, a, a huge percentage of um, that area's, you know, money, I suppose. I mean, would that GDP cause... GDP of talk. Yeah, would that not cause some kind of um, blip, in, like, blip in inflation or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not economically... Uh, intelligent enough to discuss that, but no, what I do know certainly is not at nine money in the was morning. swept away. <laughs> money um, was lost. But going back to the tattoo, I forgot. Mm, I, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. I uh, the thing with the tattoo is I always wanted one, right? I always knew I wanted one, but I didn't yeah. know what I wanted to get. And it's a hard decision. I, presumably, it wasn't too hard for you because no, you've got they, two. Yeah, they, and they're quite I've good. And about, they're quite um, bespoke. I've got like five of them, and, and none of them I really thought them through very, very well. <laughs> really. No, I well, you just sort of turned up and went, give me Monkey Island. Give me Monkey Island. And then they Island. did it. Yeah, they're, they're not really that well thought through, to be quite frank, but yeah. I think my my greatest fear is getting a tattoo, right? And then ten years later just going, oh, I don't want that now, because it doesn't seem relevant. Um, yeah. Oh, I've seen people well, that It depends on where you their, get it, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. The tattoo I'm thinking of getting is a Japanese proverb. Okay. Back in, and the reason I'm, I'm thinking of getting a proverb is um, back in three or four years ago, I was a little bit, I was dealing with anxiety issues because mm. I was, uh, I was discovering YouTube and having loads of weird people tell me I was rubbish online. Yeah. Combined with the stresses of dealing with forty school kids every day for six hours on end, I just had this <laughs> weird period where I wasn't in a good place. Mm. Um, and I studied some philosophy, and I studied Stoic philosophy, and it helped me get back on track. But one of the things I did was I would go through books and I would take quotes that were really powerful uh, or really meant something to me and I would write them down and I would read them over every morning, right, until they were burnt firmly into my thinking. Um, kind of like, almost like a religious practice, mm, I guess. Like know, a mantra. Ritualising ritualizing it, yeah, having a mantra, reading it over. And um, so I thought that would be something quite nice to have. And I came across this proverb last week called uh, it's it, it's literally kishikaise kishikaise mm. which means to recover from the brink of death or to recover from a hopeless situation now one of the quotes i used to overcome my anxiety was um i can't remember it because it is 9am in the morning and i haven't drunk enough coffee but it was something along the lines of any situation can be flipped to your advantage right, right. any situation uh that may not look good on the surface can be flipped and bring some sort of benefit. Quick example, actually, of that. I was filming um, this beautiful spot in Kagoshima uh, just yesterday, overlooking mm. Sakurajima, the smoking volcano. It's a volcano in the bay of Kagoshima City, and it's smoking 24 hours a day. It's an incredible sight. Wow. And I went up there to film the end of the cycle, right, because that was the end destination. And we got up there, and there was just like a million Chinese people that had just got off a bus, and it got really annoying because I just want there was there was pockets of time when there was nobody there. We get out the camera, we get rolling, and then a crowd of people just come into my shot, quite literally <laughs> push me out of the way of my own shot to start taking photos. It was quite annoying, um, and so I was about I was getting really frustrated. I was waiting for the crowd to go, and then I had an idea. I pulled out my iPhone. And I filmed it again, but this time I made it look like I was battling through the crowd, being really sarcastic. So I was like, I, I said something along the lines of, I've been travelling for 60 days, waiting for this moment, building up to this moment, battling through wind and wind and rain across mountain ranges, and here it is, Sakurajima. And then put, like pan the camera up to reveal a thousand people standing there. And then I was just <laughs> battling through the crowd. And it turned into this quite a funny little 
sarcastic sequence, um, a really anticlimactic sarcastic sequence, <laughs> where you can't actually see Sakurajima. You can just see a thousand people and me battling through it. <laughs> and that's going to be the start of the video now. Oh, and actually, it got to the point that I liked this opening so much, I filmed it three or four times. And I didn't want the crowd to go. And they started to leave, go back to the bus. And I was like, no, no, come back. <laughs> and it was, so it's a complete reversal, a complete flipping of the situation, right? Mm. It went from me wanting to get rid of the people and have my nice big space where I could shoot the view to actually wanting to keep the people there and use them for the opening sequence. And there's sort of situations like that throughout my life that have cropped up where things look bad and annoying. But you look at it from another angle, you look at it from another perspective, and there's an advantage there. There's some sort of hidden benefit. Mm. And, and anyway, I saw that proverb, Kishikaise. <laughs> yeah. But I saw that proverb, Kishikaise, which is just four characters, four Japanese kanji characters that look mm. rather nice. And it kind of sums up that situation rather well. So I want to get that phrase on my forearm, on my inner arm. And I can look down at it every morning, every evening, or every afternoon. Whenever I'm in a bad or tough situation, I can look down at it and remind myself that for all the difficult situations I've battled through, not just in this cycle, but in general, it's always, I can always recover from that hopeless situation. Um, there's always recovery. There's always a chance to get back up and keep going. Um, and it's a really nice proverb. The four characters, there's four characters. The first mm. character is the character f- to wake up. If you look at the word uh, okiru, to wake up, it's the kanji to wake up, to get back up. Mm. The second character is the one for death, shinu. The third character I- represents time, many times. And the fourth character represents life, rebirth, uh, which is the character you see for the word ikiru. So it's four characters, and it's nice because I see why people have Japanese proverbs and Chinese characters written on their arms now, because it's much more eloquent than having an actual sentence, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't even know how I would have that sentence put on my arm in English. It would just be a bit awkward and cumbersome to have, recover from the brink of death, recover from a hopeless situation. It just wouldn't be nice, would it? It's always like, um, it's always people who like have like song lyrics. It's always like the libertines or something on their arm uh, they, they all sort of say that um that um uh, chinese characters and japanese um kanji it's um it's the most efficient um lettering system in the world because obviously you can fit so much more in to uh, a very small space and if you sort of go to any sort of museum that's got like both um japanese kanji when i was in um where was i um it was kobe at the um at the mm. art museum, because um, w- when we left you, when I left you and went back to um, uh, Tokyo, I thought, you know what, we we didn't spend that long in Kobe, did we? Because we had to get halfway up the mountain to get into our log cabin. That's right. And yeah. then I had to run off, so we popped back again to um, to, to to hang out with my mate Rich, and he um, he and me went to like to a um, to like a, we went to the earthquake uh, museum because obviously Kobe was destroyed by um, an earthquake yeah, back in the was it the eighties or the nineties? Either way, it was nineteen ninety five. I want to yes, say yes, yeah. I mean, some of the um, some of the things that happened there. My God, I, I cannot imagine um, mm. any city being able to get on get get back on its um, feet after that, especially one as as big as Kobe. Absolutely, but more importantly, did the earthquake museum have an earthquake simulator? It did have an earthquake simulator. To be honest, yeah. they loved a they they had a lot of. Um, there are a lot of kind of videos you had to watch, and I'm not sure whether we actually experienced the earthquake simulator. We experienced a video that was pretty harrowing, to be quite frank, and pretty horrible. But um, well, it can be difficult to appreciate what it's like being in an earthquake. Um, mm. I often forget, even though I experience it on average once every two or three months, maybe. Mm. Um, but earthquake simulators are quite a good way of putting it into. Well, just getting a, a sense of what it actually feels like. Yeah. You stand on it and then the whole room starts moving. Yeah. And I do believe I saw a photo of the one at 
the Kobe Earthquake Museum being really super sophisticated. Mm. Right. It was it, it was just sort of seeing entire. It's like something out of film. It's like something out of uh, like, like a Godzilla film. It's like watching these fairly large kind of you know ten twenty story buildings. Um, not even collapsing, just leaning on another building, you know, across across a street. It just kind of, it's mm. like, it looked like it was having a rest over onto the other what? side. It God, really was bad. something else. It was, it was, it was awful. I mean, you know, give it a Google if you if you want. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine how any um, sort of city get, gets well, on. It was September 11th well, kind of kind this. of size. It killed we a lot. We talked about of this, didn't we? How it, Kobe hadn't built um, the a lot of buildings in Kobe were quite old. They yeah. went up to the the uh, standards, the earthquake-proof mm. standards of the time. Um, so they were susceptible to psych- seismic damage, and hence a lot of the city was destroyed. Yeah. Um, but Japan seems to be a lot stronger now. There was, of course, the earthquake. It was a, a pretty hefty earthquake earlier this year in Osaka, which, again, mm. we talked about. And, um, yeah, I don't think there was any... I think there was one or two casual fatalities, but for the most part, the city was intact. Mm. Uh, the most remarkable thing for me, if you look at the... There's, there's great footage online of it. If you go on the internet and you type in 2011 Earthquake Japan Shinjuku, the skyscraper district in Shinjuku, which contains about, about a dozen skyscrapers, mm. it's incredible. They're swaying like up to a foot mm. each, and it's an incredible sight, just seeing these 150-metre skyscrapers just swinging in the sky, yeah. both terrifying and incredible. Um, <laughs> Structurally intact as well. Um, they're built to do that naturally. Mm. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want to be up one when it's happening. Stuff no, that really would not I'd want put to. Put the fear do. of God into me. Yeah, <laughs> being oh, in a yeah, swing. Yeah. But I mean, so so have you got an idea of who's going to be tattooing your arm? Have you got an idea who's um, where you're going to get it done? In, in I haven't got that far yet. No, mm. I haven't. There's a few places in Sendai. I could do it back in the UK. Mm. Um, I'm not sure yet, yet. And it's not something I'm going to do for another few months. Because right. I want to get the design done. I don't just want to have a proverb on my arm. I kind of want to have some artwork around it. Yeah. And um, well, this, this is a an exclusive to the Abroad in Japan podcast. I haven't actually talked <laughs> about this anywhere else. This is the first time. Um, but if you guys have any ideas on how it could be better than just a proverb in terms mm. of artwork what would you put around it i'm curious if you're going to have a proverb on your arm in four japanese characters what would you have around it some of my friends have suggested having some kind of flowers um i want something a bit more bold i was thinking of having a some sort of uh, slot machine you know slot machines we have to pull the handle and the and it turns <laughs> and reveals your <laughs> prize i thought something like that then i thought it could be a bit tacky i don't know <laughs> I've got to think of it through. I don't want to rush it because it's going to be there until the end of time on my arm. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. And to my surprise, I stumbled across a secret sexy club. Wow! I, 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 so I wouldn't over, um, I wouldn't overthink it. I know my, mine, mine are a bit silly. I mean, I, I have had a tattoo done in Japan uh, by a guy in his house. I think we've spoken about it before. And it's kind of like um, it's like a woman. It, uh, do you remember? The, uh, you probably don't remember the video game uh, "Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego," but like kind of like a Carmen Sandiego, no. a woman in a um, sort of like a, a fancy hat, like a um, like a trilby or something, um, and her face is a Japanese mountain range with a red sun behind it, um, and it's. Um, Wait, you've got that tattoo? Yeah, I've got the tattoo on the back of my leg. Have I? Have I seen that? <laughs> no, I don't think you have. We haven't, we we haven't been showing each other our. To be fair though, we were cycling, and I was wearing shorts pretty much most of the time. So I just, I don't know I just think I don't it. look at your legs that much. Pete. No, I just, um, I've, I've seen I've seen the Monkey Island one numerous occasions, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I tend not to stare at your legs too much. I'm afraid so. <laughs> it's like staring at the sun, mate. For better or worse. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's some, something I want to get on my arm. I want to get it done in the next few months, and I'm really looking forward to it. I could have done with it the other night. I nearly had a mental breakdown on like the last night of the cycle because I had to film. I it was about eleven p.m. and I realised I had to get up at like six a.m. the next day, mm. and I couldn't go to bed till two two a.m. until because like, I was editing, and lots of things hit me at once. And I did that thing that all people should not do, which is when you are angry or upset or at an emotional peak, stay the hell away from Twitter. <laughs> I did the classic thing. I went on Twitter and I wrote some whinging stuff about how frustrated and stressed I was and then those people commented and I woke up and I was like oh god why did I write that and then I deleted it it was something along the lines of there's a fine line between challenging yourself and damaging what was it there's a fine line between challenging yourself and damaging your health and I've crossed it after this <laughs> cycle I'm going to hide away for two months or something really dramatic and silly and I woke up the next morning and I was like why the hell did I write that um Instead, if I had the tattoo on my arm, I could have looked down at my arm in my my hour of frustration and darkness and gone, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll bounce back from this." But uh, I didn't have that, so I wrote when, on Twitter. Have you ever done that? Have you ever like burst onto Twitter, written something you later regret? Yeah, I mean, but it's 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 usually stupid stuff. Or I, I get quite chatty when I'm a bit pissed off. <laughs> oh, it's, it's never it's never tiredness. It's always just like. Hee hee, I'm drunk, so I get a bit chatty. But like, it's I, I always find like the um, I, I don't know why, but like if you ever broken up with a girl or anything like that, or or, or a boy, or you know whatever relationship you're in, in mm. um, it's always the worst at night. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, 
Ugh, what was I worried about? And I think you can you can't really sort of pull away from your feelings at that point in, in the day. But yeah, just definitely stay away from social media it's because dangerous. you'll sound quite mad. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of people do it. I've noticed it, a lot of people damage their brand over time by mm. just going on Twitter every time they're angry or upset. And, yeah, you know, there's I've got forty, fifty thousand people that follow me on there. Um, it could go horribly wrong. Hmm. Sometimes when I when I wake up with a hangover, the first thing I do is go straight to the phone and think, "Oh God, <laughs> what did I go on Twitter last night? Did I? What did I do?" Um, but luckily, it, it wasn't that bad. I got rid of them, and um, yeah, I woke up feeling happy. It's, 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 it's more it's just that it's, moment of like anger and frustration. You just got to get over it, right? Yeah, and and it's kind of like I think also um, there's been a few sort of um, think pieces and kind of like not not studies, but people have been talking think about the, the well, like sort of like YouTube burnout and stuff, like people who feel pressured to, you know, put out uh, the, the the people who sort of vlog every day and stuff, um, the people who sort of feel duty bound that they have to, mm. um, or they don't earn, you know, they, they're probably not you know as well known as, as certain other YouTubers, so they just feel they have to constantly churn out content and. It's difficult because, like you know, I've 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 watched your um your your cycle, so to speak, your your cycle sort of off screen. <laughs> my cycle, stuff. My, I mean, my, in, my actual in, bike cycle, or my cycle the, as in the cycle, cycle as in life. just sleep cycle and work cycle and stuff. And I, I witnessed it for a couple of days um, on the bike ride. Um, Sharla, who who was also on on the bike ride briefly as well, mm. like. You know, you're both filming all the time, um, and when you're not filming, you're editing, and when you're not editing, you're either thinking of stuff to do or you know worrying about YouTube analytics and you know whether you whether your video is going to get demonetized think- and stuff like that. It's 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 a cycle that I think some people find it very pressurizing, and 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 you know I I don't think I think putting out videos every day or every other day, nightmare, absolute nightmare situation, worst job in the world. <laughs> Yeah, it, t- it has taken the fun out of it a bit. But that said, I'm I'm kind of happy with everything. We, I never thought we'd make, you know, 36 videos in a row, day mm. after day. Granted, yeah. I haven't put them out daily. I haven't been coming out daily at all. But we've got yeah. the videos, and I'm mm. really excited. Certainly, they'll be all done by January, I think. Mm. And it's so cool, the idea that people can sit down, they can put on the series, and they can just watch 36 days of adventure through Japan and get a sense of scale on the trip and, you know feel like they've experienced and seen Japan themselves. Mm. Um, so that's why I've, I've taken longer on the videos to try and edit them and give them a decent production quality. But it's stressful because a lot of people bombard me saying, where's the next video, where's the next video? Because they want to see it, they're excited. Mm. As I want to see the next I want to see the next video, you're in the next video, it's great, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in the next video. I, just, I haven't had time either. in between cycling and filming the next video. I just haven't had time to sit down and edit. Um, and then you get people commenting and... Um, I think some some comment threw me over the edge. Some guy was like, "I've been really disappointed by these videos. I thought it was going to be X Y Z, and I yeah, I lost it after that." A bit. But the but, thing the uh, thing that I gets th- me is like, just just push him towards the pod, towards the podcast. You get a podcast every week, guaranteed. Twenty to thirty minutes to forty minutes to fifty minutes long, and you get a dose of Chris with a side order, an unwanted side order of me. <laughs> so if you, bit more, if you want a bit of guaranteed Chris Broad content every week, come to Daddy Podcast. This is the only place you'll see him every single week, guaranteed. <laughs> so there we go. All this talk of side orders has remind me of one thing I ate the other day. Okay, a pizza from a vending machine. Now, remember a yes. few months ago, I talked. We talked about this, this groundbreaking discovery in Hiroshima. Mm. This pizza vending machine. I did it in the uh, video, which is coming out. 
I uh, had my friend Ellen come and join me for a few days of the cycle, and I was acting as her tour guide in the videos and on the journey across Japan. And I was showing Ellen around, and we went to the Atomic Bomb Dome, we went to the Miyajima Shrine, we went to all these historic places, and then I went and took her to a pizza vending machine, the first in Japan. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't as bad as you think. I, the pizza, it takes about five or ten minutes to make. You go up to the screen, you choose if you want a four-cheese pizza or, or a, a standard... Uh, like mozzarella and uh, tomato, and we just got the yeah, we got the standard one. And it, we stood there for about four or five minutes as it's made, as it's like baked in this oven, and it comes out in a box. And it wasn't bad; it was a lot better than I was expecting. It is a six it was out edible. of ten. <laughs> it was edible. It was slightly beyond edible, and that was the surprising thing. You know, right. it actually tasted pretty good because it was oven baked and not microwaved. Yeah, it uh, actually had a nice texture. The dough, in particular, was really nice. Um, but incredibly, as we were standing there, we had to, we were in a queue because there was people waiting there to do this. So this was, it must have been about ten o'clock at night that we when we got there, and it's out the front of a, a DVD rental shop, the blockbuster of <laughs> most Japan, most together, uh, an industry that's long <laughs> since died in most places in the world. But in Japan, people still love to rent DVDs from shops in person, and so mm. the couples were coming along, renting their DVD, and then getting their their vending machine uh, pizza. It's quite a cool setup. It's quite a good idea. Like I could see how that could work. Like uh, if Blockbuster Video had been so had, had been that smart, their their shops might still be intact. Well, but, uh, and, and also you, alas, you can they have did not um, recreational marijuana in a lot of US states. So I mean, I think that would be perfect True. for them. <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, it was surprisingly good. Blew me away. Yeah. And you'll see that in the video when it comes out soon. Well, I can't wait, but Chris. I, guess that's pretty much it for now though guys mm. i'll be back in my apartment next week so things will be back on track and pete and i next week will be going through the inbox through the fax machine of emails you guys have sent in there are so many that have built up so <laughs> many great ones i've been looking through i can't wait to sit down and answer them we're gonna have a full podcast just answering your questions and if you have any more questions or ideas on what i should do for my tattoo go ahead and drop us a, a line at abroad in japan podcast at gmail.com We'll be back same time next week to discuss that then. But for now, guys, no matter where you might be listening from, out there in the big wide world, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye. I'm whispering because it's midnight.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.